Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? Doing great, doing great. Yeah, we had a really good discussion last week on on stress, horses. Here's another stressful situation, not only for the horse, but I know for a lot of owners that have had to deal with this. I've had to deal with this in my career, and that's horses with heaves or COPD or all these other things we call it. I think we'll just jump right into it. What is heaves or what are heaves? What is this disease that we see in so many horses? Well, you bring up a good point that there's lots of different names and things that it's been called through the years. Um, It's actually interesting. You know, the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine pretty recently published a statement that there's all these various syndromes that they now characterize under the term equine asthma. And and I do think that's a helpful term for us as horse owners to just kind of get our heads around. Um, so we don't really use the term COPD. You definitely hear heaves kind of is the colloquial thing we say. Recurrent airway obstruction would be the version of this in older horses. And then inflammatory airway disease is what younger horses would be. Uh, diagnosed with. The main difference being that inflammatory airway disease, these horses are normal at rest. Their issues are during exercise, whereas recurrent airway obstruction, which is typically kind of what we're saying when we talk about heaves, those horses don't have normal respiration at rest. And the whole like equine asthma umbrella, it's simply allergic reaction to inhaled particles. And Horses will have this allergic reaction in in their lungs, Um, so, you know, causing inflammation, thickening of the lining of the airways, you know, some constriction of the smooth muscles that surround them, and then an accumulation of mucus sometimes occurs as well. And for different horses, it's different allergens. So it's things like dust, mold, pollens. All of those um, can have an effect on horses that essentially cause equine asthma, to put it really simply. I know. For somebody that suffers from from uh, allergies, you know, especially with spring coming, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, we deal with it, but we also, our horses deal with it, and even our pets, you know, they can deal with allergies. So with horses, I know you, you said some of the, the allergies. What are some of the, I guess, contributing causes, you know, that can affect horses? I know... Like you said, this big umbrella, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a large nebulous field, I guess, of, of things that can cause it. But what are some more of the specifics, you know, like specific breeds, age, what is causing this? Good question. There's been a fair amount of research into this. So no specific breed. All breeds are susceptible. Uh, there's really not a gender split. Um, so mares, geldings, stallions, we see it across all of them. You know, we do see the highest prevalence in horses who are stalled. And on average, this is typically showing up at first in horses that are between the ages of 9 and 12. But again, like we can have that inflammatory airway disease in younger horses, and it can certainly wait to show up much later in life. It's not surprising that 
horses may be completely fine for many, many years and then move to a new facility and all of a sudden have this problem because it, again, goes back to allergens. Most of that being things like dust and mold. So that's why we see it more installed horses, particularly an issue in the winter, a lot of times related to feeding more hay, ventilation inside barns. But of course, just to, you know, make life a little bit more complicated, there are some horses who are worse in the summer out on pasture because they're allergic to pollens of certain grasses. Uh, So you do have to, while we can look at kind of the big rocks in terms of age and different things, um, we do have to recognize there is quite a bit of variation. One thing I found super interesting is there's a heritability component. So in horses who have two healthy parents, so horses without equine asthma, there's only a 10% of the population that ends up with equine asthma. However, it jumps all the way up to 44% of the population of horses with two parents that are affected by equine asthma. So there's definitely a lot that we just don't know yet in terms of the genetic component that drives part of this issue, but not all of it. So we've kind of laid it out, you know, what's the causes? When do, what type of horses we see it? Here's a question. Can it be cured? Can we cure this? Uh, Unfortunately, no. So this is a condition that is not one that is cured. It's one that is managed. Uh, You know, there definitely are some medical treatments, Uh, And it's kind of outside the scope of this podcast. Uh, That's something you'd work with your veterinarian. Other than I will say that there are multiple types of treatments because thinking back to the causes of this, you know, some horses, for example, more of the driving factor is the production of mucus. So there are some drugs that thin mucus and those can be very effective in those horses. In other horses, those mucus thinning drugs might not do much at all because they have more of an inflammatory component. So it's more inflammation of their lungs and airway that causes the issue. So that is a whole part of it. You know, certainly there are some downsides to long-term use of some of those medications. So there's something that would definitely be prescribed when a horse is having a big flare-up. But a lot of what we're trying to do for these horses in terms of management would be, you know, improving ventilation, decreasing how exposed they are to their allergen trigger. So if it's a stalled horse who has the trigger of dust and molds, we maybe look at turning them out more, doing things to limit the amount of dust or mold that comes from their hay. Uh, On the flip side, if the horse is really allergic to grass, maybe there's certain times a year that he just stands under a fan inside. It depends on the horse, but a large focus is going to be on that management, which is eliminating as many any of those triggers as possible. And then of course, relying on medication to help the horse at the same time on an as needed basis. And that's going to vary depending on the specific allergens that are causing those horses issues. Right. So what are some of the other management things? Because I mean, obviously hay and and stalls and and barns. So what are some of the other things we can do? Because, you know, like we said, there's no cure. So with focus management, we can help make these horses more comfortable, reduce these bouts, help them reduce these symptoms. So so what are some of the other things we can do? So the main focus, if we're thinking about horses who 
you know, are the worst in the stall. We're going to look at the main triggers. It could be bedding. So there are definitely some different uh, low dust type bedding products that can be really helpful. The barn ventilation. And then of course, hay. This is often why we see this really trigger in the winter. Hay, even really good hay, has some quantity of mold and dust. So certainly looking at buying hay that is put up low moisture, has low mold, all of those things is really important. But even really, really great hay is going to have some degree of that trigger in it. So things that we might think about would be steaming or soaking that hay. You need to be a little bit cautious because you are decreasing the inhaled allergens. So if there's a little bit of mold, which there's always a small amount, that mold wouldn't be inhaled. But if the horse doesn't consume that now moist hay in a short enough time, it will grow mold because you added moisture and you could create digestive issues because of that mold. So being careful um, and recognizing that while it is a good strategy for decreasing inhaled allergens, we do have to be mindful of that management. I will say like horses who have really, really extreme sensitivities, sometimes I'll put them on a complete diet as if they were a horse with no teeth. So we would feed them a Mm -hmm. complete feed or a senior type feed and multiple small meals per day, but just remove hay from their environment completely. Um, That's a pretty dramatic step. But in some of these horses that are very significantly affected, particularly if they're steroid sensitive, so we want to avoid the use of steroid as much as possible, that is an option. Then thinking about the actual nutrient composition itself, part of the reason that allergies happen, and we have a whole podcast on this kind of way back, but it's that the immune system is hyperactive. And we do know there are certain nutrients that can help dampen allergic inflammation, specifically our omega-3 fatty acids, and then DHA, which is one of our omega-3 fatty acids in particular, there's some nice data around it supporting those horses. Um, So certainly I might think of a product like Natural Remedy, which is a DHA, um, or in another omega-3 fatty acid supplement to help support those horses as part of a holistic approach. Do I expect those supplements by themselves to fix the issue if we don't make any other management changes? Probably not, Um, but they are a nice addition to all of the other things we do to help manage those horses. You know what, Nicole? It's funny you bring that up. That is like our very first official episode. That was on December 3rd, 2020. So if you want to hear that, Early days for us when we started, but I, I thought we were doing a pretty good job back then. <laughs> That's one of our first podcasts that, that we put out there was feed allergies. And then recently, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the omega fatty acids. And it was interesting. I made a note. I'm like, make sure you talk to ask her about omega threes, but you, you covered that. So, you know, if, it's really tough. I know these are these tough, these horses are very difficult to manage. I've been there trying to reduce that. I mean, pasture is ideal, right? Like, isn't that just kind of the the cure-all almost? But again, we've done many podcasts on pastures and it, it, it's like they're not always available year round. 
while they're not always available all year round, sometimes these horses have comorbidities. If they're insulin resistant and have heaves, putting them out on summer or on spring pastures, probably not a good idea. Um, And then of course, keeping in mind that some of these horses, they're okay-ish maybe with dust and mold, but they're very allergic Mm -hmm. to pollen. So some horses actually have summer pasture asthma where the treatment is exactly the opposite. Uh, so it, it is it is very challenging and there's a lot to balance in order to keep these horses as healthy as possible. And it's one of those diseases that, I mean, I, I guess I say this for almost all of them, it's a disease of degrees. There are definitely horses that are well-managed in their particular program and are still performing to some degree. And then there are others that unfortunately have such extreme exercise intolerance as a result of this that they can't. Um, So it's certainly something that varies quite a bit. And part of that is, you know, what is our ability as a horse owner to manage their environment to improve their condition as best as possible? And that varies for a lot of us too, just adding another layer to that complexity. So uh, when looking at their diets and and you did mention complete feeds and and you brought up nutrients like omega 3s what would a feeding plan look like like let's you know not go to the extreme where we need a complete feed but you know we get hay we may soak it or like sit steam it to get some of those allergens out uh, what else would you suggest to to help boost like you said the immune system and 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 make sure they get enough omega 3s so what would a feeding plan look like for a typical horse? Yeah, so th- that's a little hard to answer simply in the fact that their caloric needs can vary quite a bit. But I would say broadly speaking, we need to be feeding at least the recommended rate of the product that they're on that's appropriate such that it supports their other needs. And then after that, you know, if they're out on pasture, they're getting a lot of omega-3 fatty acids. Hay, yes, but a little bit less so. But because we know these horses can benefit from more, I mean, I, I would certainly recommend looking at incorporating a supplement on top of what they're already getting from their base diet. Um, I particularly like DHA because it's a little bit further down the... Um, transformation process. Um, but certainly some of the oils, for example, that are high in omega-3s can be a very appropriate addition as well, as long as that's calorically appropriate for that horse. So there is, you know, some variation there, but ultimately all of the tenants of a good feeding program still exist. And then after that, we make some small changes relative to this particular disease process. Well, thanks, Nicole. I think we'll leave it at that. It, it's, you know, one, I don't know if we said this in the beginning, but like, you know, almost one out of 10 horses suffer from this. And so it's something that that you will run into uh, around horses. And hopefully, you know, you found something useful with this. I, again, if you are concerned about your own horse or you have a horse that's suffering from heaves and you need some advice, you know, free consultation with the tribute team that links always in the show notes. And, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for the comments. Thanks for the five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and any other podcasting apps that you're listening to this. But thank you so much. And thank you, Nicole. Thanks, Chris.